spouse gets to know your weakness and love you anyway. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. You know, so your spouse knows what your weaknesses are. And by God's grace, they love you anyway. Amen. And so, uh, you know, but one of the things that is in the heart of God is the heart of a teacher. God wants to teach us. He wants us to learn. He wants, he wants to walk with us, and he wants us to learn from him. I heard the line of a song uh, earlier this week or this past week, and it said, the enemy or Satan, the enemy of your soul, he learns from your mistakes even if you don't. Wow. And, and, and he tries to trap us in cycles. The enemy learns from our mistakes even if you don't. And so the scripture that I want to start off with this morning, the central scripture, is Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me on your phone. I, I, I trust you completely that you're not texting and Facebooking and all that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, of course, I'm, you know, anyway, that's for all of us. Uh, but I, I'm standing on this side of the podium, right? <laughs> so Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, it says this. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Come to me, all who labor, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's a, the central scripture for this morning. And one thing that I want to start with and pull out of that is, number one, that Jesus cares about the condition of our souls. He cares about our souls. He, 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 you know, we, we've talked in the past about sacrifice and how God, you know, he sees our sacrifice and he cares about that. But God also cares about our soul. He cares about the condition of our soul. There was a time in my life when I thought God didn't care about my soul. He only wanted my obedience, you know, and it was like, you know, it was, it, it was coupled with a time of walking through, you know, some suffering and some challenge in our life and, and, but you know, I had to repent of that and come back to a place to say, you know what? You know, Psalms 23 says that he restores my soul. And he's the one who does it. You know, there's a lot of self-help books out there. Seven ways, you know, to, to be popular. I don't know. You know, seven ways to succeed. Seven ways, all these kind of things where there's a lot of self-help out there. But the Bible says that he is the one who restores my soul. He does it. It's a supernatural thing. It's a thing that he comes and he builds up our hearts again in our life. And, and, but we have to give him the space to do that. So Jesus cares about our soul, not just about our sacrifice. He does not want us to live labored and heavy laden. He calls us in this scripture. He says, come to me, you who are labored and heavy laden, because he wants to give us rest. In our culture, we can value hard work, and, and that's a good thing. We value hard work. You know, we can, we, but what, what happens is we can value that, and we tend to value kind of this nose-to-the-grindstone lifestyle. And we even talk about it. Like when, we, when you meet somebody, when you meet somebody that you haven't seen for a while, you're like, hey, you keeping busy? As if that's a good thing, 
you know? Like, and even saying that's like, ooh, really? Like, to say that is not, you know, like, is keeping busy not a good thing? You know, there, you know we, but we, we talk about that. Ever meet somebody who you haven't seen for a long time, and, and you stand there, and really, you talk about how busy you are, how busy you both are for, like, the last six months since you've seen each other? Like, oh, man, yeah, it's, it's been busy. We've been doing this and doing that. And you talk about as if we're, like, somehow upholding this, this thing that busyness is a virtue. When it's not, really, it's not a virtue just in and of itself. So we need to make sure that, that in, especially in our culture and in our life, that we are valuing the principles of taking time to rest, taking time to refuel. Because we can come into this place where you go and go and go and go, but in actuality, your productivity starts to drop and goes down. Because you're just going and going and going and going. And after a while, you can fry yourself. All right? And so we need to make sure that we're valuing principles of rest. So we need to remember that busyness is not a virtue. You know, and, and um, you know, as, as much as we want to be busy with the things of the kingdom, just going from one thing to the next to the next to the next. And I'm preaching to myself, too. This morning. Is that good? The best sermons are always preached at yourself. So, <laughs> okay. The, you know, going from the one thing to the next, we need to make sure that, that we are recognizing that we are giving, that number one, we are finite beings. You and I are finite beings. We serve an infinite God. But we are finite beings, which means we have a limitation to our time. We have a limitation to our energy. We have a limitation in our physical bodies of what we can handle. And so the challenge is to do the most important things with the time and the energy that we have. So we want to be productive. God wants us to be productive. But the challenge is to do the most important things with the time and the energy that we have. God doesn't want us to be unproductive, but we can become so busy with things that don't really matter in the scope of eternity that we wind up functioning outside of our grace, outside of, outside of the places that, that God has really gifted us and skilled us to function, and we can eventually burn out at that. So recognizing that we are finite beings is important. And then when we come to God, when we come into our life, we need to be intentional that our yes is so powerful that it defines our no. Meaning that like, that God, I, I'm saying yes to you. I'm saying yes to your purposes. I'm saying yes to what is important, not just to what's urgent. What's important, I'm saying yes to that. And I'm intentionally pursuing what is important. And because I'm pursuing what is important, that defines my no. Because I'm saying yes to this important thing, I can say no to other things that are not as important, to other demands that come on that, other, that maybe other people, maybe ourselves, maybe just circumstances place demands on us. And we need to know how to say no because of our yes. And the thing is, if our yes is not strong in our spirit, if our yes is not strong in our heart, what can happen is we, we begin to bow to the urgent. And this, this age-old wrestle between what's important and what's urgent. You know, like a phone call is urgent. 
If you don't get it, you're going to miss it. A text, you know, can be urgent. We can see it as urgent. You know, uh, one, of the, one of the studies today says that, like, people will jump for a text even faster than they'll jump for a phone call. And the, the thing is, a text stays on your phone. <laughs> it doesn't go away, you know. But there's something in our psychology that says, oh, I got to get that, you know. And, and, and like that text or like that phone call, a lot of times in our life, we can wind up sacrificing what is important for what is urgent. And one of the most important things in our life is our relationship with the Lord. But it very rarely ever seems urgent until we're in a time of crisis, doesn't it? <laughs> you know? And we find ourselves like the widows who, the, the ten virgins, sorry, not the widows, the ten virgins who didn't have their lamps trimmed in full in a time when they needed to. We need to make sure that that's not us, okay? And so there's this constant battle back and, uh, back and forth. And this is why it's important that uh, we know who we are and who God has called us to be and what he has called us to do so that we can recognize and be intentional about what is important in our lives. Jesus invites us, like in this scripture, he invites us to learn from him. So his heart is to learn is for us to learn. His heart, I almost said his heart is to learn us. His heart is to teach us. You know, that's good Africanism right there. All right? His heart is to teach us and to get us to learn from him. Which, and, and that picture, he says, take my yoke upon you. So can, can somebody, can I borrow somebody? All right, thank you. Can you just come and stand here? And the picture is this. Turn uh, sideways to me. Yep, okay, there we go. Um, the picture is this, is that you can, the, the yoke of an oxen is when oxen are yoked together, they walk together. Just walk with me. They walk together. And this is the picture that Jesus offers for us. Thank you. Can you give her a hand? All right. Woo. This is the picture that Jesus offers to us is saying, listen, I want you to be yoked with me because I want you to walk lockstep with me. And in so doing, I'm going to teach you some things about life. I'm going to teach you how to succeed in what I've called you to. I'm going to teach you what you need to know and, and what you need to, to fulfill everything that I've called you to do in your life as you walk with me. So being coupled together with him in his yoke. And he says, I mean, make no mistake, you know, in the olden days, they used to take a young ox and an old ox, and that's how they would train the young ox, is they would put the young ox together with the old ox and walk together, right? Okay? And that, the, the old ox would kind of pull the young ox in line. Make no mistake, we are the young ox in that relationship, okay? We are the young, where God walks with us and his desire is to walk with us. His desire isn't just to get us in a classroom and talk to us. He wants to walk with us. It's a daily thing. It's, I want to walk with you in your life. And that's what Jesus is saying. And the Bible, you know, also says, talking about the Holy Spirit, is that, you know, he's the one who teaches us what we need to know when we're brought before authorities, when we're brought and we're dealing with authorities and in that, you know, in that scripture it talks specifically about being persecuted, but, but the Holy Spirit's the one who teaches us what we need to know. God is interested to teach us. He's interested in us learning. He doesn't want us to just continue in cycles of, you know, well, it's, it's man, every year, you know, every year at this time, 
our marriage blows up, or every year at this time, my finances, you know, oh, let's talk about finances because right after Christmas, it's a good time to do it, right? All right, so like, you know, every year, well, why is January and February so hard? You know, like, why did our credit card bills get so high? And, and you know, I'm just, yeah, of course, I'm teasing you. None of you are in that boat. So <laughs> tell your neighbor, say, he's not talking about you. He's talking about me. <laughs> So, you know, but because but, what happens is we, we're, we, we are, it's our human nature. We can kind of go in these cycles and then we get kind of trapped in those cycles. But God wants to break those cycles. And the way that he does that is he comes with us. He joins us in our life. He's okay with where you're at. He just doesn't want you to stay there. He's okay with where I'm at. He just doesn't want me to stay there. And he, and he walks with us step by step and says, hey, learn from me. Walk with me. Walk lockstep with me. Here. So God wants to teach us. He cares about how you live your life. He cares about the inner thoughts that you carry in your life. He cares about the way that you work. What, one of the ways that, you know, this morning we're talking about having a presence-centered life. A presence-centered life. A life that is centered around the presence of Jesus. And one of the ways that we do that is having a life of prayer. Out of all the scriptural accounts that we have of Jesus teaching the disciples and talking to them, and he does miracles and he does all these things, out of all, all the journey that we have, that we have a, a picture of, of Jesus teaching them and leading them, there's only one thing that we have record of them asking him to teach them. And that was, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. I mean, what, what would, I don't know what I would ask if I was walking with Jesus like that. Like, Lord, I want to know how to do that. I want to know, you know, like, how do you do with this? Teach me about that. Teach me about that. But, but the only thing that we have record of that the disciples ask of Jesus to teach them specifically was, Lord, teach us to pray. Like in, a, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1 is where it says that. So obviously they saw there was something about his walk and his prayer life, his walk with the Father. You know, the Bible says that he, he never did anything unless he saw the Father do it. He, he walked with the Father in such a way that, that the disciples connected that with what he was doing. Like, hey, that happens because of this. And Jesus, if you can teach us to pray, we can see what your desire is on the earth. And so we know that Jesus did nothing unless he saw the Father do it. We know another Bible verse says that Jesus did not speak on his own accord. So, you know, in this, I want us to all stop feeling guilty and stop feeling ashamed if you feel like you don't pray well. Okay? Prayer is not, you know, just for super saints. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> No, prayer is not just for super saints. Prayer is for everybody. And stop feeling guilty. Stop letting the enemy make you feel guilty and unspiritual. All you have to do is ask. Say, Jesus, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. And, and, and this is what I do and is, Lord, I recognize that right now I don't even have a desire to pray. Give me the desire to pray. I ask you for the desire to fulfill your will. I ask you for the desire for what I need. So don't let the enemy feel guilt, uh, make you feel guilty. Isaiah 48, verse 17, it says, This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way that you should go. 
The Bible talks about the secret place with the Lord. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, it says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. There's this place of carrying uh, the inner walk with the Lord. And that is talking about a, a physical place, a, a physical room, and that's good. We all need to, there, there is importance in having like a routine in our life and go, maybe having our own prayer room. You know, we see the movie War Room and, and you know, we implement that. We have a prayer room up there and, and that's all good. But there's, I believe that there's a part of the secret place with the Lord that you and I can carry with us every day of our life in our inner heart. We can carry with us part of the secret place with the Lord. I think this is what Paul was talking about when he references in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, says that we should pray without ceasing. I mean, I should read that and be like, how do you do that? How do you pray without ceasing? How you doing, Alan? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. For, oh, oh, Lord, I stopped praying. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like what, you know, do you have to stop your conversations with everyone? What, what does pray without ceasing mean? What does that mean? What is Paul talking about? And I believe that this is what he's talking about, where we walk in this place throughout our day, through every, whether we're on the mountaintop or whether we're in the valley, whether we're dealing with struggles or whether we're feeling victorious, that we have this in inward place, this open connection between you and God, you and the Father, that is just like this continual conversation between you and God. And you're carrying that secret place with you like, Lord, what do you think about that? What do you think about what I'm going through? What, what, you know, what does your scripture, what does your word say about this? And, and you're just continually dialoguing with the Lord. And for those of you who think that, well, that sounds kind of boring. Number one, we got to get rid of our religious spirit. <laughs> Because Jesus has an incredible sense of humor, all right? The best jokes out there are the ones that he creates, okay? Like, like it's, it's not boring. It's not like, oh, you know? It's, it's just real. Jesus is okay with us being real. He wants to walk with us lockstep in our life, all right? So he wants us to walk with him. He wants us to carry this, this place of inner dialogue with the Lord, of having a presence-centered life. God, my, my life centers around your presence, and my life centers around what you say in your word and what you're saying about my life. And I need to know, because God, I forget what you say about me. I forget what is important. I forget sometimes the important things, and I get caught up in trivial things. And God, I, I need to come back to that centered place with you, where you are the center of my life. You know, the world talks about being centered. Well, being centered on what? The world talks about having faith. Listen, faith in what? That's the key. Centered on what? Faith in what? the word of God, the presence of Jesus in our life. So what, is, what does that look like when we are walking in a place of continual communication with the Lord where he's giving us revelation, he's giving us things we, we don't know uh, about, um, he's, he's helping us find solutions. Have you ever had that happen where like you need solutions, there's no way that you can come up with it and all of a sudden this amazing idea just drops in your spirit and you're like, I bet that's the problem. And you search it out and that's the problem. 
Yeah? That's the Lord. <laughs> That's the Lord. All right? So what does that look like? The Bible calls this meditation. As Christians, we are called to meditate. Now, the world talks about meditation, but meditating on what? Not mm, emptying yourself. No, meditating on the Word of God. As in what uh, Psalms verse, chapter 1, verse 2 says, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And that word meditate means to mumble. Not when you're talking to your spouse, you know, like, but, all right, to, to mumble or to murmur, you know, where, where you're, you're, you're just, it's like a cow who's chewing its cud. You know, it, it eats grass, swallows it, and then brings it right back up. Kind of like, you know, after you have spicy food. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just better the second time. <laughs> I said that so you remember this point. <laughs> what it is is you, like you regurgitate out of your spirit. <laughs> That's such a disgusting... <laughs> But you bring up out of your spirit the word of God that you've deposited in there and you meditate on it. You roll it over and over and over and you begin to pray it in, you know, just when you're driving in your car, when you're walking down the street in the middle of your work day, you know, when you get five minutes alone at, at uh, you know, at lunchtime, you just start to bring this back up and it's like you're chewing your cud, you know, like if we... If we, if we <laughs> If we take this out of Psalms uh, chapter 1, we just read verse 2, but if we read 1 and 2, like, let's, I just want to do this, demonstrate it. It says, blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. God, I thank you, Lord, that your heart is to bless me. I thank you, Lord God, that you keep me from the counsel of the wicked, that you give me discernment in how, when, when people are talking to me and giving me counsel, that you give me the ability to discern by your spirit, Father, what is good and what is not good counsel. Uh, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the mighty or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers. God, I thank you, Lord God, that I, that, that I don't need to, that you're leading me in such a way that I don't need to go from walking to standing to sitting in my life. God, I thank you, Lord God, that where I'm sitting, you help me stand. Where I'm standing, you help me walk forward with you. And you just begin to pray this over. You mumble this over and over and you just, you, you carry this thing in your heart. You know, Lord, you say that my delight, God, if my delight is in the law of you, of your word and, and, and meditating on your word day and night, that I would be like a tree planted by the streams of water. God, I need your refreshing. I need your refreshing because so much can be demanded, but I need your refreshing. I thank you, Father God, for your refreshing that my roots can grow down deep that I can be strong, Lord, like that tree. God, that we can, I can bear fruit and we can yield fruit in our seasons. And even as Ezekiel says, Father, uh, uh, where the trees planted by your river bears fruit every month. God, this place of continual fruit, continual fruit because of your presence in my life, God. Because of, you know, just mumbling through scriptures like this, regurgitating it, thinking about it over and over, declaring, you know, things over your life. One of the things that I'm excited about this week is tonight at seven o'clock with our prayer that's happening, we're going to be declaring, I've asked a bunch of people to 
to bring some prophetic things that God is saying to them about 2019 for Newport Church. And we're going to take uh, some moments tonight. We're going to declare them, and then we're going to respond in prayer. Declare them, respond in prayer. Declare them, respond in prayer. So I don't know where you are in your life for 2019. Maybe you don't need that, but I need that. I want to, God, I want to hear what you're saying, not just for me, but for, for the church body. You know, so I want to invite you to come out tonight. It's going to be a good time. We're going to do that different times throughout this week. But, you know, coming to this place of, of, of working with the Word of God, getting the Word of God inside of us is one of the ways that we live a presence-centered life. So the first way is prayer, just having this open dialogue, communication with God. The second way is getting the Word of God inside of us so that we can pray like that, so that, like, when, when we're squeezed, what comes out of us is a response that is... That is uh, you know, in alignment with God's word and God's will. But David says in Psalms 119, verse 11, he says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That I might not sin against you. And I don't know about you, I'm, I'm a slower reader. I don't read books like my, my wife or my girls do, my children. I mean, they're like spitting out novels. I mean, like chewing them through. And I'm like, yeah, I just... But I found audiobooks. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. I found audiobooks. And I have a ton of audio Bibles. And just putting that on, you know, getting the word in my heart, getting the word in my spirit. It helps that in Bible school we had to also, uh, you know, write out, we had to go through every chapter of the Bible and write out a summary of it, a uh, summary of every chapter in our own words. So that helps too. You know, when you have the, the entire Bible summarized in your own words, chapter by chapter. But, like, there's this, this thing of just getting the Word of God inside of us, getting those, those yearly plans. We're here at the beginning of the year. You can, you know, get those plans or read through a Bible in a year. It's discipline. It's, it's, sometimes it's hard work. Sometimes you got to catch up. But it's worth it. It's worth it. One thing that I've learned is don't expect the reading of the Word to be the time where you get the revelation about the Word. You know, sometimes we can sit there and be like, God, what are you saying? Okay, Holy Spirit, I just don't, I don't, know, I don't feel anything on that scripture. I don't see anything out of that scripture. Just read it. Get it in there. Get it in your heart. Because at that, you know, that's what later when we're driving down the car, all of a sudden, boom, revelation hits you about the word and life comes and joy comes and God's leading happens after that. So the psalmist also talks about, in Psalm 51, verse 6, talking about this inner life of the word of, with the word of God, with his heart, is Psalms 51, verse 6. If you're taking notes, it says, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. And really, that's about that's that's where we're at. That's what we're talking about. Is that as much as we're called to impact the world around us, we're also called to walk with the Lord and carry part of our secret place with us. And I don't know, you know, don't feel any guilt, any shame. You know, maybe you feel like, man, I haven't I haven't been doing this. I don't, I don't know. I don't. Sometimes I feel like I'm not even saved. You know, <laughs> like, listen, just start, just start. The Lord walks with us wherever we are. He walks with us wherever we are. 
Okay, So don't allow the enemy to bring condemnation and keep you trapped in something. But communing with the Lord in our inner heart is one of the ways that we live a presence-centered life, that we can respond to people, we can respond to situations, we can respond to scenarios. And it's not perfect. I mean, shoot, I don't get it right all the time either. You know, And none of us do, but that's okay. Jesus is, is still working on all of it. Anyone, Jesus is working on you too? All right, praise God. Whew. Good. And really, you, but that inner place with the Lord is kind of exemplified um, when we talk about the inner court. So remember the tabernacle of Moses? There was the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. And the furniture that was in that inner court was the lampstand, was the table of showbread, and was the altar of incense. The table of showbread stands for the word of God that we get inside of our hearts. The lampstand stands for the Holy Spirit and how the lampstand would shine. I mean, that was the only source of light in the inner court was the lampstand. And it shines on the bread, shines on the word of God. And then the altar of incense, which talks about the prayers of the saints in the book of Revelation, that the incense coming up before the Lord is like the prayers of the saints that come up. And so that's, what, that's like our inner court inside of our hearts is we get the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit of God that shines on the word of God and, and causes our prayer to come up to the Lord like burning incense and walking in his presence in that way. The last thing I want to talk about this morning is the warfare that comes to keep us out of his presence. Guess what my week was like this week? Preparing for this. <laughs> you know, not, not, I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just like a lot of stuff you know, and, uh, and I, can't, I won't go into it all here. It wasn't, it wasn't bad, you know, about anything, but it was like, man, God, I need to come back to the Lord. Bring me back. God, I'm coming back. And the enemy loves to send us things in our life that just, you know, it's like a boxer who doesn't, like, wail you one. He's just like, you know, it just keeps you a little unstable, you know, on your back foot all the time. And that, sometimes that's what life can do. Sometimes that's the enemy. Sometimes it's just the circumstances that we go in, and that's okay. But, you know, we need to come back to this place that Jesus talks about in John chapter 15, verse 4. He says, abide in me. Abide in me, and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And that's what we're talking about, this inner walk with the Lord. Listen, you don't have to look super amazing. You don't have to look super spiritual. I mean, if, great if your giftings are noticed by everybody. But it's not about your gift. You know, we're not living a gifting-centered life. We're living a presence-centered life. We have one master. His name is Jesus. It's not opportunity. Amen? All right. Jesus says this in verse 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he is the one that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we need to stay intentional about the fight. We need to stay in that place of abiding. Because the enemy of our souls, he knows what happens when we abide with Jesus, and he is afraid of the fruit that is produced in our lives. He's afraid of the fruit that's produced in our lives. He knows what Psalms 23 says, that the Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. The enemy wants, wants you to want. He wants you to somehow believe, I mean, that's the marketing of this world, right? That somehow believe that you are deficient. And without this item for $9.99, you, you know, you are somehow deficient. You better go buy that item for $9.99, you know? We'll, we'll let Dave Ramsey finish that whole thing out. But, the, you know, some, we, we, have, we are marketed to by, by the world, by the enemy, that, that you are somehow deficient. And I tell you, no, you're not. Jesus just wants to walk with us. Now listen, without him, yes, we are deficient and we are utterly lost. I'm not talking about sinfulness, okay? Like, we are destitute without Jesus. But with him, like, don't, come, don't buy into this thing of like, oh, I'm never enough, I'm never enough, I'm never enough, okay? The Lord is my shepherd, and because he's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me, when I walk lockstep with him, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Man, life comes and stuff chips away at your soul, stuff, stress chips away at your soul. God is the one who restores it. Coming to that place of just saying, Lord, I come. He's the one who restores that. Taking time to be intentional to connect with the Lord in that way, in that secret place. And listen, that's always with you, you know. Uh, I mean, I was doing that this morning in prayer. I was like, ah, thank you, Lord. You're so good. You're so good. The worries, the stress, all that kind of stuff just melts away poof, in his presence. And he becomes the only thing that's worth serving. All right, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. He leads me, or sorry, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Man, the enemy doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. He wants you to be afraid in the valley of the shadow of death. He wants, you know, and so this is the battle. Man, if I can keep him out of that place, out of that security, out of that secret place with the Lord, I will not fear, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. God, your word says in Psalms 84 that I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I'd rather serve as a servant in your house than to, to own the tents of, of the unrighteous, God. You know, just having that place. So this is, this morning... As we end, I want to play a song for us. Uh, you can get that ready, get that queued up. But it really what this is, is it's not anything of, of a declaration, you know, of shame or guilt or anything like that. But as we head into 2019, it is an invitation and a call to truly enjoy the access that each one of us has been given. So there was a, a prophetic picture that was given in, the, in prayer meeting this morning of there's an open door. I set before you an open door. No man can shut. You know, the thing about open doors is we got to go through them. We have to go through them. Yeah. So in 2019, there's opportunities that the Lord has for us. There's moments that God has for us. Let's take them. Let's go through those doors the open doors that God sets in our life. We, you know, Bob talks about approaching his throne. 
with confidence. And so really, let's stir ourselves up to encounter everything that is available to us. Amen? Can we, can we go ahead and play that and we can stand together? This is what we're heading into 2019 with. Yes, Lord. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, God.
So as we head into 2019, you know, this is the position of our hearts, that we are not alone, that God is walking with us lockstep, that our hearts are walking together with him. He is teaching us what we need to know. His voice is constantly with us. His word is with us. His Holy Spirit is with us. Amen? All right, so let's pray. Father, we cry out for a move of your spirit here in Newport Church in 2019. We thank you for everything that you have apportioned to us in this season. And God, we, we come and we position our hearts. We posture ourselves before you, God. And we ask, Father, that you would have your way in this place in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for your life. We thank you for the life of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for open hearts, God. We thank you for radical ideas, radical lives lived out for you today in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you that we can live in a place that our life is centered around your presence. God, there's nothing more important than your presence. There's nothing more important than you in our midst, God. And that's why we gather together on a Sunday morning. And Father, we thank you, God, that we can come into your presence together as a body corporately, as friends and neighbors. And God, we can experience your word, experience your life. We ask for the life flow of the Holy Spirit to just flow through us, God, not because of a preacher, not because of an anointing, not because of giftings, but because of the mounting wave of what you're doing in this place, in Jesus' name. Father, we ask for healing to take place. Father, we ask, Lord, Lord, there's different, there's different needs that are even standing in our body today. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and just begin to move in this place in Jesus' name. Father, as our lives surrender to you in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness revealed and brought to us in this coming year. In the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to have prayer ministers up here at the front. Uh, you're welcome to come and receive prayer. If you have uh, needs for physical healing or just need encouragement or need prayer for anything at all, I want to encourage you to come and receive prayer. But uh, and if, if that's not the case, we bless you and we commission you to go and have a Holy Spirit-filled week. Amen. And be the hands and the feet of Jesus to every place where you go and every place where you walk into this week. God's presence is with you. Whether you feel like it or not, he's there. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Don't forget about uh, the prayer that's happening uh, every night this coming week to kind of set our hearts and position our hearts before the Lord for 2019. Don't forget that. Come out 7 o'clock to 8.30. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about what is a revival culture. It's a term that's thrown around in our society today, but we're going to define it. What is it for Newport Church? God bless you.